Hello and welcome to the late, 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 late end of season podcast. We should really do a start of season one, but never mind, we got there in the end and we've got people together to do this and talk about the end of season, which everyone's probably forgotten about and you're on your holidays and having a great time and we're going to bring you down. We're joined by Safa. Hello, evening. Safa. Evening all. Dunstan and George. Hi, evening all. Evening, evening. You, you all know the surnames, and I'm not going to bother telling you because we're just having a quick, quiet meet chat here. And Dunstan's going to move to New Mexico. Uh, Saf is responsible for the mortgage crisis, and George is 15, and he's not responsible for anything yet because legally he's not allowed to be. So, anyway, and I'm Paul Finney, and I'm the host. Well, the podcast going to get better from that fucking shite intro. Right. Dunstan, did you watch the end of season game in New York with all the New York people? I did. I did, mm. and it was predictably terrible. Um, I mean, I, I kind of feel that the it wasn't about the last game, it was about the two before, um, which was, uh, I mean, God, stressful, but my God, what, I mean, to, to, to get the result at Burnley was, I mean, vital. You look back on it, and that, that last game, it just felt, I don't know, it just felt, felt like an end-of-season sort of vibe to it. You know, it'd be nice to have gone. Obviously, you've got your two results away from home. It would have been nice to have finished the season with a a few more goals in front of the loft and uh, a performance. But it just, I guess, wasn't the B. I mean, Bristol City had, I mean, what felt like a sort of sec first and a half string team. There's quite a few kids in there, and they turned up, and we really didn't. It, it was quite weird. By the way, I should really give you a surname because I give myself one and people think I'm just being using favouritism. So it's Safa. Is it, is it Michael? Safa we'll go Michael. Michael Paul, that's fine. It's, it's <laughs> Bentley and George Sharp. It's not in front of me, but do you know, I like sometimes just to keep it nice and personal. Just maybe do a podcast, just use nicknames. Safa, you had a very strange end the season because you, you lost your shite and then you went off and met um, Balligan and um, then he left. What did you say to him? <laughs> it was one of the weirdest, honestly, it was a strange, strange day that. So, yeah, I mean, I'd um, obviously when we'd had the, the Wigan game, I left that pretty angry to say the least. Um, like a lot of fans were there. That that was a, that was a really, another really, really poor performance. And um it was quite weird. You couldn't write it really. He'd put these posts on on Instagram, uh, sorry, on Twitter, didn't he? To say about having some fans go down and speak to them. And I honestly said to I said to Fliss, my wife, I said if if I get invited to that, I don't care what I've got on, I'm going because I want to go talk to this. You know, when somebody's cupping their ears at the fans after what we've been through, I, I was yeah pretty insulted to say the least. Um, so it was a really really bizarre day, and then to actually be asked to go along to it was unbelievable. But I think the thing that I took from it, and I didn't realise this, but obviously Ainsworth was in attendance, um, which they never told us that was happening. You know, um, I do even wonder if that was even planned or not. I don't know. I We were told that we were, you know, going to meet with Leon and, and you know, that he genuinely wanted to understand why the fans have got their frustrations and issues with him, which I think pretty much everybody's got the same, you know, issue there isn't it it's, no one's going to have any different story I found the 
injuries very coincidental you know in terms of that he's not the only one there's another five players that did exactly the same thing um so yeah if he wanted to go and sit down that I was more than happy to go and kind of voice that to him um but yeah I, I didn't expect Hainsworth to be there I must be honest that was a little bit of a surprise um it's a funny one you know because he did make a few points I don't agree with him on everything and we did genuinely push him you know it wasn't it wasn't um, chummy <laughs> at all. It was quite direct. So it was a good... I think the thing that I took from it, Ainsworth will absolutely defend everything. Everything. It doesn't matter what you throw at him, he will defend them. And, you know, I come back from it, accepting some points as fair and disagreeing on others. You know, I mean, personally, most fans, and we've seen like Ethan Laird substitute himself how many times this season? You know, and and then Wigan when he did it, I think well you testify to this. Most fans kind of saw through that, you know, oh and God, it was yeah. kind of sorry. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Agreeing, yeah. He was basically booed off, wasn't he, from mm-hmm. what felt like everyone there. I do not believe he was injured. That's my opinion. Oh. You know, um, Ainsworth, even when you call him out on that, will sit there and tell you a hundred percent he had nothing left to give. So you know. <laughs> I know that's he's been actually, given a, that's quite that's quite a telling comment. The the nothing left to give doesn't necessarily that could be mentally, could be physically, could have checked out. Yeah. I think that that for me is quite a just a telling line. Mm. It wasn't like, listen, he's injured, he can't, he yeah. couldn't play. Yeah. That that that's woolly enough to be interpreted in a few different ways yeah I mean I'll tell you what he did say um he, he, I think he said his legs had seized I think was what he he'd said and um I think I was I'm going back a few weeks now but I said to him I said well I've seen you try run off a broken leg you know I, I don't know I don't want it that extreme but how many times can legs keep seizing I mean it's it's bizarre you know and then even when you kind of mention the that kind of infamous Taylor Richards moment of his laces even you throw that you know, and I'm just trying to think, come on, just give me something. Show me that you he just will defend them to the absolute death, you know. But then I look at it, you know, and I, I thought about this yesterday. You know, with the managers, Critchley kind of threw them under the bus, didn't he? Sacked. Yeah. Other managers, you know, I know Wilder did a similar thing as well. Again, sacked. It, maybe that's just what the way it is now, you know. But I, I found a lot of last season absolutely unforgivable. Um, but... I said, you probe him as much as you want. And I really tried, as did the other people in there. He, he will never throw anyone. He's not going to go for them at all. And it was really obvious to me then. I thought, whatever happens this season, he's going to, he'll back him to the hills. And ultimately it kept us up. But yeah, it was a it was an interesting afternoon that it really was. But on your end of the season, then we'll bring George in. Um, were you pretty pleased that that was your last trip from the other way after Bristol City? Yep. It has been a horrible season, hasn't it? It really was. I enjoyed the, um, said the Stoke game was just pure relief, you know, because I think it would have been a disaster. Whatever we say about them players, disaster, isn't it, if we'd have gone down? So, mm. relief there. But, um, yeah, what a horrible season. I, I actually watched that game about 10,000 feet in the air. I actually watched it. I was travelling to New Mexico on my vacation. Sorry, holiday. Ugh. Um, but, but You're the one that so, said so, it, mate. I know. It, so, so it was. It was a really frustrating did you watch experience. Yeah, I, I did. I actually watched it on my phone. Like, so, it, like, you know, you obviously Wi-Fi on a plane. Like, what, wow. What, what is, what is this sorcery? Um, 
and I actually, what I did like, though, you see, since I, I said soccer and you just ignored yeah, it. I, I 100%, mate. I'm, I'm, Thank yes, you. I'm, I'm going to ignore it. Um, but it, what was odd about it, when Albert scored, I, I had to do that celebration where I'm like, I, I could not like properly cheer. So I, I was like literally in a middle seat, not able to celebrate, not able to, you know, Really enjoy it. So uh, as as we as we landed, the final whistle went, and it was just like, oh my god, we're safe. But here, was... listen, on your plane, were you was it a very sort of boxed in seat? Was it being like being was it like being there? It, yeah. Do you know what? I, I yeah, the um, I was going to say like there, there was slightly more legroom, um, oh. but not oh. much, not much. Okay, George. I know you've met some of the players during the course of the season in your little flog and stuff like that, though, and I apologise for my ridiculous appearances on it sometimes, taking your viewership down to zero. But um, as a as a young one, as I say, because we're all old, well, Saf is not that old, but he, he looks it. Um, what's your thoughts on, on the season, last season, and, and everything else, really? Well, in terms of me talking to players, like, I can't really get a fair judgment, can I? Because they get told no. what to tell me. Like I spoke to Balogun, and he seemed like a top guy. He even went as far as to get his name on the back of my shirt. That was a mistake. So <laughs> in, in terms of that, I think it was just a point of by the time, I think when Bill left, I know going all the way back there, it automatically created a divide within the changing room. There was people who... Obviously, mm. like Bill, there's people who didn't like Bill. And that sort of chemistry, if it's not there, you're not going to be a successful team, realistically. And I know Ainsworth says about bringing back that passion and everything, but there's a phrase, flogging a dead horse. You can't really bring passion into a team of loans and team players who don't really want to be there. So, hang on a second, George. Hang on, whoa, whoa. How old are you? <laughs> 15. <laughs> okay, carry on. You've seen too much in your short life at Rangers, mate. It's, it's, my, it's my dad, isn't it? I hear it all the time. But... <laughs> I don't want to be the person that patronises the shade on you, but heck it hell, man. Carry on. I'm impressed. Try, I'm trying to think where I was, where I was at, actually. Uh, oh, sorry. It's all right. Uh, I was at players. Well, as I said, Angel says about bringing passion, but then we saw it didn't really bring results like the two game, two crucial games that we won, Stoke and Burnley, 19% possession. Like, let's be realistic. It's not going to win you games in the future, is it? Like, no matter how much passion, determination you put into a game of football, it may keep you up. That That's probably his expectations. He calls for an expectation reset. But staying in the championship, brilliant. But do we really want to be watching? Watching games of football where we're having 20% possession every game, not really. And like we saw that Bristol City game, what like we had about 30% possession, but absolutely nothing. And I know it's not all about the stats, but it's just poor, really, isn't it? I think to be Denver's advocate, um, I think he was in a hand to nothing myself. I'm not saying I'm not making excuses, but I think he was brought in the I know we had that cushion. I think we were more or less on a ship that was sinking so far, fast and so quickly. We, you know, it, it, it was unstoppable at times. And I think the mood mm. and the club and everything was just poor. You know, there's, you could say there's no leadership at the top and you'd probably be right because mm. no one's ever there. 
Um, it's always Lee Hughes and, and, and Les and and they didn't really help the situation. And the place was very toxic. And I personally think that if he'd have come in, tried to play really good football and we got relegated, he would have been slaughtered. I know, I know, I agree, I agree. And I respect him for keeping us up. And obviously he's gone back to type of what he did with Wigan. No, not Wigan, Wickham. Uh, but I just and I think he does and I think he deserves a pre-season and start of next year. But I'm sorry, but if we go into next season starting how we were. I, yeah, it's, it's not going to be good. Here's the thing, George. You, you, you I, I'm not digging you out because you're 15 and and I, and I can bully you in this podcast because I'm old and bald. But yeah, that's a brilliant point you make. But I suppose it's, so I get confused, Safa. This is for you, all three of you, but I'll come back to George to start, um, start off with. People say, why, why can't we do what Luton did, right? And as much as it pains me, and I hate them. And yeah. Um, but Luton are very direct. They're very um, in your face. They're very, there's not a lot of football being played. I probably would say that Coventry were a football inside to a certain degree. Burnley were a football inside. There's not a lot of football inside in the championship because the flipping panic button is so quickly pushed. Um, do you think, do you really think he is a long ball merchant? Or Because we had um, obviously Dobson on the podcast and he was like saying that we want to play the beautiful game the, the beautiful way, but we just, in that situation, we couldn't. Do you think that's fair enough, or do you think it? it I think it could be high, highly biased on my part because I love that style of passing football, love that, yeah, tiki taka style. But then there's direct football and there's Wimbledon 1980s, knock it long, long throws, and all that. Like, you need to be smart with it. And I think the problem I have, like, I like Gareth as a person, he loves the club, you can tell that, but where's the plan B, and we've said this with quite a few managers recently, but with if that knock it long style of football doesn't work, then what have we got? Like our win against Burnley, we wouldn't have complained if we were three 0 down within the first half. So first ten minutes, George. First ten minutes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So like, I just I worry, I do worry about it, but I suppose you can only see what happens next year. I suppose. No, do you know what? That's a very good assessment. I'm not just saying that. You know, it's true. I think it's uncharted waters, isn't it? Does so we don't know what's going to happen because he was thrown in. He was thrown that squad, and yeah, yeah it's a tricky one. He, that I mean, he had to like he he had a busted flush. As we've already talked about, there are players who didn't want to be there. There are players that were phoning it in. You had, I mean, and I think you know the interesting thing for the back end of last season. One of the most important players, in my opinion. For to, that sets the tone on the pitch in the dressing room um, was Chris Martin, a 34-year-old like guy that was brought in on a six-month contract, ended mm. up not only scoring important goals but also was he was the one that was like leading from the front. He was in the ref's face. He was talking. It you know and and you know Ainsworth weren't even the one that brought him in. Right, so. At the end of the day, none of those players were Gareth Ainsworth players. So he had to get in there and I quickly identify it. And I think this is what things like the hackle were about. And by the way, I, I watched the uh, Sheffield Wednesday playoff final with the uh, New York Owls on, on Monday. And the first thing they said to me, oh, yeah, I saw something on Instagram about, you know, this, this hacker. And I'm like, don't even start with me. Like, you know, end of the day, you know, Ainsworth had to do things that were slightly unorthodox or there's his methods that are slightly unorthodox. 
okay, we can debate whether they should have put it online till we're blue in the face. Narrator, they shouldn't. But I think Ainsworth had to quickly identify who was with him, who was not with him. And, you know, that I, I think to judge Ainsworth and his style of football on this set of players who were clearly mentally brittle, who were physically damaged, I think, you know, end of the day, he had a job to do, he did it. I think what happens in the in the off season is going to be really important because immediately you've lost the lone players, you've got your core squad. And I think you made a point, Vinny, about Luton. The reason it works for Luton and to a certain extent Coventry, because they're, you know, yes, they've got Hamer who plays good football, but they they're quite direct as well. Mm. I think the important thing to note about Luton is how many quick pacey strikers that they've got because the key to this is and I'm going to come full circle about Chris Martin the key to this is they launch it long they flick it on and they're able to get to the ball hold the ball and keep the ball high up the pitch when we do it we we were playing it long to Lyndon Dykes to flick on to the not very pacey 34 year old Chris Martin now there was something that happened in the Burnley game that I thought was interesting and and which makes me think is this how we're going to play against better teams away from home? Which was when Sinclair came on against Burnley, it worked. And it worked because the ball was getting flicked on aimlessly. You know, that might be a bit harsh, but the ball was getting flicked on. But Sinclair was able to run into the channels and get the ball, and we were much higher up the pitch. Whereas previously what was happening... We're flicking the ball on. It's going to a defender and it's coming straight back at us, you know. And, and I think that that was something I was getting really used to. And, and, you know, Paul Linden, like, you know, the guy's on a hiding for nothing. Works his absolute nuts off every game. But what's he supposed to do? Like, the ball's getting pinged up long to it. He can only flick it off. And it's going to their defender or it's going to, a you know, the striker that we've got playing up with him isn't able to get the ball. And I thought against against Burnley, it was interesting that Sinclair was was able to bu- not only bully defenders, but also to get to that ball first. And I think that that was something that, for me, is we, we can have all the nice, fancy number 10s in the world, but if we're not going to play that style, get rid of them, replace them with pacey, strong forwards. Luton, you know, everyone talks about Brentford and Brighton. We, we can't do what Brentford and Brighton have done, but Luton, we can. And I think let's have a look at, if we're going to play that, that, that style of football, look at the Luton squad, uh, how they've assembled their squads. Because it's, you know, we, we literally at one point had one striker. That isn't going to cut it. You, you need more than one striker and you need strikers to come on and replace. You know, you need three, four, five strikers to make this, make this uh, football work. But I, I think George hit nail on the head as well um, with the lawns and everything else. But the lack of pace in our team last season was... Safi, you've see, you seen a lot of away games like me and stuff like that. Away from home, we were so badly exposed for pace. Yeah, Even on the bill to a certain degree, when it was going well, we, we, we still didn't have that. It's, we got our recruitment badly wrong, didn't we, at times last season? And Bill seemed to be able to work his... Well, he's a good coach, whatever we say about him. The Judas shade he's a good good coach and he got the best out of them um yeah it's going to be difficult next season isn't it? and where do we go from here 
I was just gonna, I was just gonna say. I, I was just Safa was first, but I'll let George go first because he's it was just young. on that point. Sorry, it was just on that point really because you're saying about how we're gonna adjust to the style of football that we want to play, and I agree. I think if we're meant to play that, we need pacey strikers around it. And it's something Kevin Gallon said the other day to do well in the championship. You need more than one or two striking options. But if you think about it, how is this direct style of football? going to show on our youth areas because if you think about it players coming through the identity of the first team is going to be shone upon lower age groups and they're just going to get taught to knock it up to a big striker and flick it on realistically in the long run because we are a selling club as our players come through we sell that's how we're like then players aren't going to learn to develop the right way under Ainsworth and then it's just going to cause a complete collapse of what we've been building, even from the start of Warburton. That's just my opinion, though. So. The thing is, George, if you look at someone like Peterborough, Peterborough don't sell like fancy number 10s that play the ball about. They've made their money off of strikers that score 20, 25 a season, big, strong, pacey types. So what you said about the development and the academy is 100% right. What we need to work out is what sort of player do we want to develop? Are mm. we tearing up the style? And okay, we are going to, we're going to focus on big, strong centre halves that can play the ball out, or big, pacey strikers that score 20, 25 a season. That that's a question, and in in terms of our recruitment, because you can't have an academy playing one way and then the first team play another, because when the academy players come in, they're going to be like, what on earth is going on here? And yeah, that yeah. then comes back to what, uh, and I don't want to be this guy, but the director of football, the academy, what, what, what's, are they fit for purpose? What's happening here? So, you know what I mean? Like, I think, um, I think, Dunstan, that's one of the things that, you know, and I, I don't want to be that guy either, but, you know, when you actually break it down, you, I actually have, you know, obviously Critchley is a disaster. We can all accept that now. But I think everyone can look and go, I get where they were coming from with that appointment. You know, yeah. I, I personally didn't want Warburton to leave. But, you know, you move on, you could look back and nobody was saying, oh, we wish we had Warburton with the way the bill started. So you could see the success. You could see what they were trying to do. It was all kind of, yeah, Critchley was a disaster. But I tell you, when we played Blackpool away, they absolutely played us off the pitch. They were brilliant. And I thought if we were going to get us playing anything like that, again, I could totally get the direction we're going in there. You just throw that all to the wind, don't you, when you go and get Point Ainsworth? Because, uh, you know... Uh, Whatever they want to say, his his style is not based on that. The other three, you can kind of categorize. And go, yeah, their their direction, what they want to do is one thing. This is totally different, and you know, this is what I have major concerns with. And I'm a, I love Ainsworth, and and I don't. Last year, I don't. I, for me, you could have any manager. That that was a really really bad group, really bad group. One of the worst, I think. I think they were just as bad as the group we had, to, you know, with Bosinga and Quo. For me, they were that bad. For me, their attitude was disgusting. So you can't count the the all of the performances and things against them. But it's a total. How do you fit a a Chris Willock a chair into that kind of style? Um, you know, ain't, uh, Armstrong, I could get. You're right. You know, Burnley, brilliant. But well, he can't stay fit. The kind of club we've been trying to, you know, that's not the direction we're supposed to be going in, is it? Totally- do, you fun, do you want a fun fact? 
as we're talking, I'm just thinking the last youth team player, like, can't tell me I'm wrong by all means because I've got the memory of a dustbin. But I think the youth, last youth team player we sold was Furlong that came through the system. That's and that, right. that was done with um, Steve Gallon. We actually haven't sold under Ramsey, Les, and all this new all singing, all dancing, we are a selling club, we will make money bringing players through. We haven't sold any. That's what I mean. I could I could go on about the youth all day because if you think about it, the B team, yeah, it's working because we're picking up players who have been released from these Arsenal's, Tottenham's, Chelsea's, all of them lot, because under the age of 16, any talent at QPR can easily just be picked up and compensation compensation. Yeah of 2000 and if you think about it the amount of players that must have happened with QPR like Harvey Elliott to name one that there's loads and it's just it I does saw that interview up. with um, the guy at West Ham who was at QPR and we let go Antonio yeah and yeah, yeah. It's just, apparently he's quite good <laughs> <laughs> it just it can't, I'm not ever going to like question Leo Les like People have their doubts, but I've spoken to them loads. Like, I'd like to think that I'm all right with them. But I think the academy, Warburton, the reason why Warburton went, in my opinion, is because he wanted to scrap the academy and build a B team like he did at Brentford. I I don't think the board actually wanted that. And I think that's where it was always going to collapse. And now that Ainsworth's come in, it's just completely unknown and it's just completely confusing. So I think you've got, you've got, sorry, George, you've got, the reason why they sacked Ainsworth, Ainsworth, that hasn't happened yet, but if he loses the first five games, um, the reason they sacked Wolverton was because he wasn't playing the youth team players that the academy directors wanted played that clearly weren't good enough because when they were played, they were taken out of the side straight away and exactly. some were shifted. So you had the youth team wagging the tail of the first team in the direction they wanted to go in, i.e., He's not playing. I mean, Clint Hill came on the podcast and said, Yeah, Wolverton will play kids. No problem if they're good enough. Maybe they're not good enough. And that was, that made me think. And I thought, Well, okay, now Wolverton's gone. Let's see what happens. And the same thing happened um, when Critchie took over. He played Nico. Shocking. A Blackpool. Absolutely devoid of anything. There's no player in there at all. Um, and things like oh, that. Ev- so you- every manager that's come in has given Nico a chance. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what he's doing in training, but whatever he's it is, is different to what he's doing in in a first team environment. And like, you know, mm-hmm. it, and that's the thing; it's not just Nico. Like, we we we've got like, you know, I, I think Kakai is probably the best example of a player that can come in, can do a job, but you know that he's kind of he's not a set and forget first teamer, and we we've not produce set and forget first teamers we just haven't in how long like Darnell was as you said was probably the last one and the worrying thing George because you, you I'm going to come back to your point in a second is that no time I'm looking at the youth team results I'm looking at the B team results and they're not great they're, 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 they're average at best but I don't think there is a style of play I mean from people I watched the, the youth team the last youth team or the B match was a complete farce you know read about it online the players who had already been released were playing there was this going on there was that going on it's it's a bit of a mess really so I think the reason why Wolverton was let go and it's probably going to be very controversial was because some people seen him as a threat because you had a DOF in the background I completely agree Rin, mm-hmm. who who's done that rule who could do that rule and he was seen as a threat that's my personal opinion I could be massively wrong 
And I think he was, and he paid the price for that in some ways. And when he was manager, he was going, oh, this tippy-tappy football doesn't do anything either. So there's lots of things going on. So he was sacrificed. But Saffin made a brilliant point. Bill comes in, takes off. Everyone forgets about Wolverton. We only remember Wolverton when it was going absolutely per-ship because Wolverton's actual league positions weren't that bad. We were steadily making progress. Sorry, George, crack on. I've, I've gone into one. Oh, no, I was just going to say the massive moment for me was if you look, remember that cruelly pre-season game at the start of the year, 3-0 up, second half, all these youth players come on, Shadipo, Hammerline, and you name it, all the shit, I would say. <laughs> he doesn't talk like this on the official website, like, George, does he? George, George <laughs> don't, don't hold back, mate. Don't hold back. Uh, <laughs> For anyone under six, I apologise for the language from a 15-year-old. <laughs> but if you think about that, Bill looked, must have looked at that and thought, oh, my days, who like who do they want me to play? Like, Shadipo recently released, Owens recently released. It just proves that Warburton was right about all these things. And, Finney, I think you made the exact point that they thought of him as a threat and getting rid of him was obviously the easy easy option and high science hindsight's a wonderful thing and we wouldn't have got rid of him it's just yeah i just think it's been shambles really if i'm being honest but you yeah. be honest I, 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 we don't want to put your you you you've you've log on the threat george <laughs> Buffer, get him out of the shit quickly yeah well, i have to be careful <laughs> i have to be careful tonight <laughs> if they haven't banned me yet they won't ban you um Safa, I mean, it's a fair point about development, but then uh, didn't Ainsworth help with Eze as well? I mean, Eze went there alone and, and seemed to do okay in midfield. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing with Eze is, and I know we'll always keep pointing back, because we say about youth, you know, players we've developed from the youth team and that, you have a one in a million in Eze, haven't you? You really it's have. I mean, that's exceptional. But And people still slag them off around me, trust me. Yeah, incredible. You know, but with it, you, that is a... A template of exactly what you try to do but there as i said that's a freak you know that even with that we talk about youth players what what young player have we bought in like Eze? forget the youth team what young player have we bought in from another academy that we've gone to do anything like that with none of them you know we got nothing for ryan manning you know we got nothing for bright i say nothing it might be some tiny amount of compensation but it, no return really you know, we've done it once, haven't we? Freeman even wasn't a board signing, was he? You know, that was a good buy. I think we did. We pay two fifty or three hundred for him, and we got good money there. But that we just don't do that, do we? We we just don't seem to be able to to turn over that player. And and yeah, as I said, that the the Eze thing is a is a freak. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for that, you would look back and say, what what actual this this thing of kind of polishing up the jewels and selling them and and reinvesting and following that model you take Eze out of it and you look back over the last few years what have we actually done I think mm. Safa that that's the point I think Eze's saved a lot of people he has bacon, right? totally. and he probably will hopefully if we and, get the sell on well that I, <laughs> I, 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 not just the sell on but also the England caller like I, I was looking at like the I was chatting with somebody about this the other day in terms of like revenue in and like our uh, you know, I think it would be something like it's Eze by Country Mile, then it would be Eze Sellon, then it would be Eze England Caller, then it would be Bill Compensation, then it would be Chair and Jiang uh, in the World Cup. That's the red, that's the top five. And then I think six would be, would be the, 
the minimal compensation for Bright. Mm. That's that isn't like um that's not a talent factory. No. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and, if we had Nadezi Dunstan, what 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 we would be looking at is a massive deficit in transfers. Let's be honest. Uh, yes, I, I also think what we'd be looking at would be a lot more scrutiny on the academy. I, I think that I, I think that Eze has given people a lot of overconfidence in. Um, I mean, I, I also think we probably sat in League One because the the rev, you know the Eze money we were able to reinvest in, part of it we were able to reinvest in the squad. Apart from the Eze money, what's coming in? Nothing. So realistically mm. speaking. I, I, I think SA is a blessing and a curse, and hopefully it'll be a couple more continued blessings. I'd love to see him get a, a you know, if, if he gets on the pitch for England, that's more money, I believe, in the coffers. And then, obviously, if he then impresses there, hi, Newcastle, you know, please, please, please go buy him. Because, uh, and again, like on Twitter, there's conjecture about, you know, how much, what was the sell-on fee? But ultimately, it's still a sell-on fee, whatever it is, and we, we'd be getting some decent money for it. So, you know, I think, you know, that Dixon Bonner, for example, like a sub, gets on the pitch, you know, gets on the pitch for, what, five minutes. Aaron Drew, seven games, did okay in half of them, looked out of his depth in others. You know, in, in terms of, you know, Taylor Richards is supposed to be the next Thursday. Is he, though? Do you know what I mean? We've not seen enough of him because he's fragile and injured. And, and you know, OK, he, he had um, some extenuating circumstances with his best mate and stuff. So, you know, all right, well, let's give him a pass, give him a pre, give him a pre-season and let's see what yeah. he can do. Um, but, but again, it's like, you know, there's this, uh, and I cannot pronounce it, was it Araha, the uh, Iranian uh, Iraqi kid? Oh, no, Who's mean, currently yeah. at the under-20s? Like, you know, okay, he made the bench. But realistically speaking, like, you look at Bristol City, and I want to bring this back to Bristol City. When they played us, they had four or five kids that are going to generate them either a lot of appearances, a lot of good appearances, and eventually some decent money. Where's ours? That's the question. I think, and and, and I kind of, I understand the fans' frustrations because all we're seeing is the same things year in, year out, that that the academy's being talked up, and yet there's, Sinclair is probably the one that we're pinning our hopes on, and the poor kid's not scored a goal all season. This is he, didn't, he didn't come by the academy, did he? No, true. But, but he, he, I mean, he would have, you know, wh- wh- how old was he when he came over? I think he was quite obviously young, 15, 16, right. that kind of thing. But he was, was in Dublin, wasn't he? So, which is fair yes. enough. Listen, and it, but, the but trouble that, is. That's still, that's still coming through the youth system, though, yeah, to a degree. Absolutely. It's the that's same true. as Shadipo, it's the same as Ezzy. It's just, you know, I mean, you know, ultimately, as George said, like if, if we've got a kid from the age of nine, eventually if he's good enough, by the age of fourteen, he'll be he'll be gone for like minimal money. You know, Does so, mean- so is, is this is this mm-hmm. the business model that we're actually, you know, using our academy to develop other people's cast offs? The trouble is though, Safa, um I, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. I'm just wondering if a club like Queen's Park Rangers can spend millions and millions of pounds on academies when we're not going to get much back. Whereas other teams have gone down that horrible Brentford route where 
it's been B teams and picking up cast off everyone else because we just haven't got the money to invest in that. And you, and then you get into the promised land and then you reinvest in academies. There. I mean, what's the best way of doing this? Because it, it seems youth team football is at the moment is so flipping difficult. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, we've got a couple, I, again, I still feel every time it still comes back to the, the recruitment, you know, we can talk about trying to polish up these diamonds and things, but look at the amount of money we've blown on, you know, look at the amount of money that, don't get me wrong, he was fantastic when we had him on loan, but look at like a Johansson, look at our return there, look at a Macaulay Bond, you know, it, you can't keep getting these wrong and wrong every time, you know. No, we've got every striker more or less wrong, haven't we, really? Absolutely, we have, you know, even, you know, to be fair, I've come to really admire Dykes, but just with, you know, seeing so many players phone in every week, at least he gives you everything. He's not a goal scorer, though, he's a, he's no, a, he's not. He's a forward, not a goal he scorer. Is. And he's a hard, but he's a hard worker. And last season, he was exactly what we needed, you know, to kind of, you know, he gives you everything. So I'm, you know, loathe to criticise him. But on the whole, what players can you really look and go, well, he did a really good job with that one. It's rare, isn't it? You know, look at, really, look at the return we're going to get on, you know, Dickie was viewed as, oh, we've we've got a bargain there. What would we get for him now? You know, over, me what we could let him go for. Absolutely, and and even Chris Willock, you know, injury prone, mild bang out of form, doesn't want to be there. What are you really going to get for him now? You know, it's over and over. It's just the same. We don't seem to be able to have that knack of being able to when we get a player that looks, should we say, a good signing. You'd at some points we were saying I felt Dieng was as good as the Championship had to offer at some points. He looks a shadow of himself last season. And you look at them and you think that's one of the other things is whenever we've got a player that looks a good one on paper, we seem to be able to either let them decline in form or run a contract down and leave. We just can't seem to ever sell them at the right time, can we? You know, probably well, we could argue that with his Freeman. Didn't do much. I thought he was phenomenal for that that last season before we sold him. But as I said, you look at them and you think, you know, the, the fees we're going to get for these players are... Not going to be a lot, is it? Really, and I think Safford, when you combine that, the, the depression in, in the the transfer market between championship clubs, like you, you literally are, you, you've got two routes. One of which sell sell a player to a prem club, or sell a player to a team coming down that want to go back up. That's uh, kind of point. your only two routes, right? So it's interesting that chairs be. I've seen chair being linked with Leicester. To me, that's the perfect place for him to go where we could generate some money if he's not going to go to like a Prem club. The I mean, I guess the only other one is if there's any um <clears throat> sorry, if there's any European teams that might be interested in a Dieng or a chair, which again, possibly. And and it, it would have to be someone like a club Bruges who have got Champions League money. Apart from that, no one's buying anyone else. It, it's you know, let let players run run their contracts down, pick them up in a free, see what you get. You know, again, like Dykes. Dykes, funnily enough, could be one of our biggest assets because Glasgow Rangers might want him, or Celtic might want him, like or or like an Aberdeen. Like that. That's it. do we completely run out of of options of where to sell? You know, it, it's either you know, and that, and that that's where the, like the Bristol Cities of the world and the Brentfords have, and Brightons have done well is when they were there. That their players had a, a perceived value to Premier League clubs, and and I don't know how Brentford got what was it twenty odd for Chris Meppen? What's happened to him since? They've just got a reputation of this player has come through this system. He must be worth X. 
way not there. Guess where Chris Method started off. Yeah. He's KBR fan, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. George, save us from disaster. Give me some names of some players. If you were head of recruitment and you're at Rangers and you're looking at players next season, because what I would suggest we would need, I think it's going to be a whole squad refit um, and we're going to be left with very little players. So who, who, can we afford any? What, what do we do? How do we save ourselves? We, we, I don't want to go down the loan market again, do you? No, I don't think we will because if you look at it, why would a Prem club loan one of their youngsters to our club who aren't like back to that point of playing style, aren't playing that style of football, they'll be playing up in a Prem. So I don't think that happens. I think it'll be a very much a case of buying, not even buying, acquiring free agents, acquiring League One players and hoping, I guess, like... I think it's guaranteed we're going to get one or two Wiccan players. I think that's like I think that Lewis Swing will come to us in the end. He's a free agent, and maybe that Farino, their centre back. I've been saying him for ages, but I think a lot will depend on what players go. I think our biggest, I believe, our biggest assets are actually Field and Dykes. I think Chair will go, will be lucky to get one and a half million for Chair in the climate. Willock will be lucky to get our money back on him, 750000 I still think he's going Rangers. But there's stuff coming out. He promised him. he wouldn't come in for him, though. Yeah, well. Let's oh, so, sorry, you, you believe a word that man says? <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I've got a feeling Dykes will end up going and we'll just get in another... So, because I think Martin will sign on another on another deal. I think that's inevitable because Ainsworth loves Martin, and I think it'll just be a case of picking up free agents. Not even champ, maybe not even championship proven free agents. People have been playing in League One for the last couple of years, and because Ainsworth knows them, he'll pick them up and build a squad around them. Which is, which is my eventual worry because. When it goes wrong with Ainsworth, I hate to say it, but I can't really see it, him getting us in a top half position. When it goes wrong and he inevitably gets the sack in God knows how long, the next manager that comes in will be left with these players who hoof the ball long and stuff like that. And then that's just completely scrapped the system. And it's just a full cycle, really, for me. So, But in terms of bringing in players, I think he'll rely heavily on free agents. I don't think we'll get many loans in, if any, to be honest. But I think that was, to be fair, I mean, I think we were always going to do that because we didn't sell any players last year of merit. We, I think whether it was Ainsworth or Sedan in charge, we were, going to have to, we were going to have to bring in cheap options because I think the wages are going to get slashed again. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the one year in this league where you look at the wages going, Jesus, you don't want to be, you, you don't want to be relying on, on cheap. But then again, on Luton, you know, we talk about Luton and Coventry. They've seen the built teams on free transfers. I know Luton paid out money for Morris from Barnsley and stuff like that there, but they seem to get it right. Whereas we, we seem to use a scattergun approach to it. We'll bring it up like Lowe and Roberts and that. The, um, they must have cost money loan wise. That's big wages. And we might have been better off spending a few hundred thousand on a striker in the lower leagues. And, and what worries me as well is that the players that have left have. Are leaving an impressions wherever they go. I don't know. We, there's something wrong with the club, and I don't know how to fix it. It'd probably be the best way of saying it. This just seems a. I, I look at what, um, like take for instance the, the Edward situation, right? He's been sacked by Watford. 
we know Bill's leaving. We know that he's going. Why, why wasn't Bill putting Gordon leave and we brought him in? Do you know, the simple questions like that. I mean, I might be getting my dates wrong, but I think that was pretty much around the same time. Um, well, Cr- Critchley and Bill were always mates, weren't they? And I think I think a lot to do with Critchley's demises. I think you can see it now, can't you? You can see him going in on the first couple of days of training saying, oh, yeah, I've been bought in by Bill or, so, or not by Bill, but recommended. And you can see that chemistry automatically going. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's just a case of, as you said, no one knows what's going on. It's shambolic and it's a massive case of unknown. Who knows what will happen next year? I, I, personally, yeah. I, I, I think Critchley is, is getting a bit of a bad rap because if you look at his start, it wasn't bad at all. Like there, there was a real sliding doors moment and that was the 96th minute against Sheffield United. Yeah, right. that equaliser goes in, right? If that doesn't go in, he's won two out of his first three. He's drawn another. Okay, we lost to Fleetwood in the cup, and I think that's where it started to go wrong. When he came out and destroyed the the, the, the players, which, to be honest, they they needed to hear. And I don't think that I, I think a lot of the problems of this season is not on the managers; it's on the players, man. Like that squad. You know, who, who and, and this is why Chris Martin's important, because there are no leaders in that dressing room. No one took responsibility. And if it takes a 34-year-old, like, you know, journeyman to come in and sort stuff out, where are you? As a, you know, we're, we're talking about recruitment. Like, you know, I, I look at players like Johansson. You're supposed to be the captain. Like, you know, what are you doing to get behind the manager? You may disagree with it, but you're there, you know, you're, you're watching a steady decline. Like, you know, the, the chairs of the world, like, you know, it, it, whenever you see like all of these social media things, it's all like, yeah, they all look like they get on. They're all really laughy, jokey with each other. But surely you need somebody to give the brutal truth sometimes. And, I, and I, you know, we, we lost that when the likes of Charlie Austin left. Charlie Austin would not have stood for any of that nonsense last season in the dressing room. And, and it felt like it was a bit listless. And, you know, I feel like, it, you know, we can talk about Bill being a good coach all we like, but actually have a look at the results. There, you know, he, he got lucky in some aspects because, like, you know, it wasn't the best start. You know, we had one win out of, what, four or five? We went out of Charlton in the League Cup. You know, we lost our first game. We had a good result against Borough, a terrible result at home to Blackpool, which a really bad draw against Rotherham. Then he had, he picked up and got, like, sort of a run of four, lose to Swansea, another run of form. But the last five games of his reign, off a cliff. Yeah. Right? And it didn't look like, you know, that, you know, that Coventry away game yeah, was, it was one of the worst performances I think yeah, I've seen out of, a Rangers, um, out of a Rangers team until Blackpool. But, you know, we, I, I, I'm not sure whether Bill would have got a tune out of that lot at the back end of the season. And I think what one of the, for me, one of the big problems is how we use our loans. Our recruitment policy is, all right, let's go get talented players, but they've got something wrong with them, whether it's they're injury prone or they're mentally not quite there or whatever it is. We, we, we seem to be shopping, you know, seconds. When we're not able to bring in the top, top players. So when you, you know, with your loans, surely it's augmented, 
you know, maybe bring in an experienced head like we did with Johansson that time. It, it feels like what we did was exactly what our transfer policy is, but with the loans. You're just basically doubling down. And that's why Balogun, okay, he was an experienced head, but he was completely injury prone. Laird in like either not didn't look quite experienced enough, like mentally checked out. Tim, I think, was the one, but even then he was like in and out. Like he he would like go out of games, he, he would make mistakes. And obviously he's a 19-year-old kid. But if you're gonna do that, do it with our kids. Don't do it with mm. somebody else's. And I, I just feel like the way we use our loans, look at how Luton used theirs, uh, Drama and Nakamba. Like they, they came in and augmented an already decent team. They helped improve and get them over the line. Ours, I, I mean, I, I, I just don't know what we're doing with our loans. I don't know what we're doing with our recruitment policy. So when it comes to the back end of the season, half the loan players we brought in, they're not even on the pitch because they're in the, in the treatment room. Mm. And, and that for me is we need to be better and cuter at how we use the loan system. Because if we use it right, I think we can actually bring in some, some stability, solidity, you know, augment the squad, not just double down on our own poor recruitment policy which seems to be damaged players in some way. But then, Sorry, Randall. No, no, I think if you look at the recruitment policy, I'd like to know the reasoning for getting rid of a player who plays every game, he's always around, he's in week in, week out, hmm. always, a, and then you bring in a good prospect like Clark Salter, but you know that he's going to be injured all the time because he's never proved otherwise. I mean... Okay. You know, that, that that to me summed up one way. You know, you, you kind of think, oh, who made that call? You know, That's at it. the end of the day, that was insane. I see these Barbe things, but then again, he like he asked for double his wages. It's not like he wanted to. We don't know that, George. We no, don't know that. Uh, what I've seen. No, I mean, to be, to be fair, I, I wouldn't have thought anyone. Sorry, George. But see, this is where clubs are clever. They say, oh, we made him an offer. He turned it down. He went double. They could have offered him twenty quid. You know mm. that's an mm. offer. You know, hundred quid's an offer. Two hundred quid's an offer, or less money than what he was on is an offer. And I would imagine if he's a championship player, he wouldn't be getting double his wages where he's playing now. So I'm not sure, but not them saying not doubting you, George. I'm just saying we have to. No, no, no. I get, I get it, I get it. And if it was a case of perfect deal perfect everything I don't get why you would get rid of him personally I'd rather someone who can play week in week out with that passion for the club but none of us will ever know what goes on behind the scenes yeah exactly I tell you on double his wages he still would have got more out of him than we've got for the rest of them (laughs) you know just to make just to really rub salt into the wounds do you know who would love Barbe in his team is Ainsworth because Barbe's diagonals were exactly that direct ball mm. that Ainsworth loves. So you're sitting there going, oh man, like the, the one player out, out of the entire squad, apart from Dykes, that Ainsworth would, would be literally first name on the team sheet is Barbe. And you know that he's a reliable player that will give you, who now all of a sudden, now he's at Bordeaux, now scoring free kicks. Yeah, it's a miracle. Yeah, I mean, it's a miracle. Just, yeah and he's done it more than once, hasn't he? As well. I, I always, that's I always three times. That's yeah. taken the piss, you know. <laughs> I seen that the other week actually. I thought, yeah, because you thought, 
when he used to come for free kicks, you're like, but I, so that's why I go back to think. I looked at all right, Barbet is an example we can use. I used that because to me that summed up my thing. But I look at Bidwell playing for Coventry the other week, and I'm thinking, who's it? Who's, who the hell's he? You know, it, all right, he wasn't, you know, flipping Carlos flat up and down, but he was much better than he was with us. He's he's showing some, and I've watched him in the playoff games and everything else. I'm thinking. What is it with us? It's just not working with You know what, though, Paul? I, I think with Bidwell, Bidwell was always a six and a half, seven every week. He yeah. was never a, 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 never a nine or a ten, but he was he was proper solid. Would always, you know, he, he would never phone it in. Like, he, he was one of those point. reliable players that you knew, okay, left, right, left back, we're sorted, we're good. Don't have to worry about that. And, and that, that, for me, is, again, what, what we're sort of missing now or what we've been missing this season is who can you count on? Who is going to be that one position, that player? Like, I mean, but to be fair, Parler's been like, you know, again, he, he's been a, a six and a half, seven. Like, and, and you know, yes, he, he did get injured, but but pretty reliable most of the time. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's fair. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, but, but then again, for every Bidwell, there's a Todd Kane who got released from Cov. Apparently, he's going to Real Madrid on a free. <laughs> oh, is it somewhere else? Yeah, exactly. But again, see, this is a thing you see. Again, you know, you, I was having a chat with someone at a football club that um, who's one of our customers. Who, let's just say they're involved in Brighton. If there would be anywhere, let's call it Brighton. And I was asking them about what they do in players, and they literally, literally will hire a detective from the pressure I got for the conversation to suss these people out, to see what their mindset's like. To see, no matter who they are, how much money they're spending on, it's like, that's our money. We want to make sure we're getting the right candidate. I'm looking at some of the lads last season and the way you said we threw things in. They weren't mentally strong, and even the manager addressed that. And it, and it seemed to be something that Critchley, Bill and Ian have agreed on. There was fragileness there. You know, it's, it's kind of been... Are we looking for misfits to change into geniuses? But all we had that was misfits who didn't want to play for us. You know, is and, and that that's that's not a policy, that's football suicide. Um, so with that in mind, George, next season, and I tried to ask this question 20 minutes ago, but I rambled on so much I didn't get the question out. How do we who do we build a team around? And I've got to go around each year, I'll start with George Safa and then Dunstan. What would you do if you were Ainsworth? And don't say resign, George. You're not allowed to say that. I'm not allowed to say what? Resign. <laughs> well, you, you know my views on that. Uh, but I think... I'll tell you what I think he's going to do. I think he's going to keep... I think he's just going to build a squad around the, the players that are reliable, as we've all been saying about that reliability in players. I think Chair, Willett, Dieng, Dykes... Yeah, I do think Dykes go. So I think all of them go. I think you'll bring in the likes of Lewis Wing. You'll bring in these League One six-foot-plus players to play at the back, play a style of football. And I think it'll just be a case of having to adapt to it and it will keep us in the championship. But And if that's what your expectations are and what you want to be, then fair enough, let's do that. But... Yeah, I just think that's what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be some remarkable Ainsworth masterclass where he's going to change and he's been using reverse psychology the whole time, telling us to 
reset our expectation. I think what he's telling us we're going to get, and I think we're just going to be that team who's sitting around 18th, 19th. And I, I hate to be a pessimist about it, but I just think that's the reality of it if Ainsworth stays at the club. Oh, Paul Strike. <laughs> he can't unmute oh, you. Do you know what? It's funny. I, I, I press buttons and things happen. I'm too old for this. I'm taking a course on running podcasts in the summer, and then I'm going to resign and give it to somebody else who knows what they're doing. Um, going back to the hacker and what you just said there about psychology, it's interesting because I would have turned around to the people who've been there for eight years and said, what's he like? What's he like? What's he like? What's his mindset? Because after they've been there all season, and if they don't know what his mind, the players' mindsets are and can't come back into it, you're in trouble. That's mm. just my thought on the hacker. I just think that he should have been able to look around the room and said, right, you're a coach, you're a coach, you're a coach, you're still here, you've been here for X amount of time. Who's good, who's bad, who's indifferent, and who's the ones I've got to watch? Anyway, that's my personal opinion. Safa, after George basically said what he said, which is perfectly fine, are you in the same mindset or do you think that we've, we could, with a small budget, maybe surprise people? No, I, I think, I'll tell you the other thing as well. Last season was actually quite a poor championship. It was not a great division. I was afraid you to say team, that. Yeah, I look at the teams that have come up. I mean, Plymouth, wow, they play some really good stuff. And Sheffield Wednesday could be really competitive. And if we've got a lot of money behind them. Yeah, and you look at all of the, and then you look at the teams coming down, and you look and you think Leicester. I, I think it's going to be a tough, tough division next year. I really do. I think it will be a good, strong league. I don't think it was the last year, and we scrambled over the line for that. So you know, I, I, um, I think the other thing that concerns me a little bit is, is you know, we we spoken today about the players we probably lose, and I think you can make a case for probably losing Dieng, Chair Willock, as um, as George said, we lose a lot. You know, in seasons previously, you you lose a Freeman, but don't worry, you've got Eze in the wings. Or you use Eze, don't worry, you've got Chair and a Willock. You've, you've got something there. I look round and I think you pin a lot, as it stands, on, on an Armstrong, who is a nightmare, a really, really good player. I love him, but he's never scored a goal. <laughs> and he's, you know, a kid. I, he's a kid. And, you know, the others weren't kids when they would come through. They were young players, but they weren't kids, you know, Chris Willock had done what two years out in Benfica, um, you know, and he'd he'd had some game time and things under his belt a bit older and a bit wiser and things. Chair had had his loans at Wickham. What what has Armstrong really had? And I like, I really like him. I think he could be very useful next year. But you do look and you think, wow, we're going to have to have some seriously good recruitment. And you know, if anything, whatever you think of Les and managers and everything, there's not many transfer windows you can look back and go, what a good good summer we've had or what good recruitment we've had there for a long, long time. So it's, um, yeah. And then it obviously also raises the question who actually is doing the recruitment <laughs> because I, I I still don't think that's any clearer. Is the age old thing? I still don't know. Is it Les? Is it going to be Ainsworth? Is it both? Is it, who knows, you know? So it's, it's um, yeah, I, I think say the least quite concerning moving into next year. Can't say anything different than that. George, that, that was Ainsworth at the door. He's, he's not happy, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's actually, it's probably Creed's actually, not my daughter. Um, yeah, that's a good point, though, Safa. I, I don't know, and I, I, I don't think anyone does. That That's, that's the trouble. It's like, personally, 
this would have been an ideal time to have Sinclair alone again this season. This would have been ideal. Lower league, League One, full season. But we couldn't do it because we didn't have the players to to allow that to happen again. That's recruitment. Going back to what you said about who's responsible for recruitment, when a player's good, everyone's fighting for their hands up saying, he's mine, he's mine. Like with Dykes and so on. Oh yeah, I signed him. No, I signed him. No, I signed him. When someone's bad, everyone looks at their feet. And it's like that. And, and my, my, my worry, Dunstan, is that there hasn't been responsibility taken for the season. There's kind of been a... And you hope that changes. We can't just ignore what happened this season. We can't just write it off. And George is quite right. You know, there's a lot of things that were really bad this season that need to be addressed. And the clubs seem to be thinking, well, everyone's forgotten. We'll put the season tickets out. We'll, we'll, we'll put some nice stuff on the website. It'd be fine. Starts at the top, mate. Like, there, there doesn't appear to be that much interest from the owners. Amit is barely engaged. Like, he tweets, I think he tweets about QPR, like, twice in the last six months. Uh, apparently, he's barely there. So, uh, you know, have they literally just gone, all right, it's Lee, Lee, look after the money, let's look after the football. If that is the case, then there is no accountability on either side. Now, to me, you know, the last eight years, I, I think, you know, Lee has done a great job of managing the budget. We have, you look at, you look around us, you look at Wigan and Reading and clubs that, you know, really are, are around our level, like Birmingham, another, like they, they've all struggled with FFP. The one thing I would say, love him or loathe him, Lee, you cannot turn around and say Lee Hoos has not done a good job of keeping us financially steady. It's not exciting. He's not prepared to sign off on a lot of, lot of um, ex, you know, a lot of expensive signings. You can argue that he's, he's sort of coming up short when it comes to the marketing of the club or pies. Sorry, Paul, I don't need to mention pies on this podcast. But even then... The, well, some the, the are all right. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is is that you know end of the day I am perfectly happy I mean you know perfectly happy with who's staying and just managing that budget especially until we come out I think are we two years away from the end of the FFP fine I think we're, we're almost at the back end yeah. of it now like that him navigating us through that he's done a cracking job the questions and I, I, last time I was on I asked about What's you know? What are the KPIs of the director of football? What are the KPIs of the, of the academy? We're still not getting any answers around that, and and I don't think we will. So you know, ultimately, we're still. I think the fans are still pretty much kind of undecided on who's to blame. So therefore, everyone out. One thing I will say, like overnight, I saw something that again, another season down the line, that the owners appear to have converted a 13 million loan into shares. Great. That means they're not going to call back that money. So, you know, the owners are probably the best way to describe it is protecting their investment. But that benefits us in the long run, right? The fact of the matter is that they are basically paying for their own mistakes, that's not exciting for us in any way, shape or form because it doesn't show progress. It doesn't show that they're investing into the playing side of it, but they're keeping the club afloat and they're paying that two million or whatever it was a year. You know, end of the day, 
uh, sorry, two million. Was it two million a month? That mm, they're, yeah. Yeah, two million yeah, a month. Yeah, two million a month. Right? You know, so therefore, anyone like saying owners out, be careful what you wish for. Yes, it would be lovely to have somebody come in and, and buy us and invest in the, in, the, in the club. But as long as FFP is as it is, how much can they realistically invest? Because it's all related to t- turnover, percentage of turnover. So we have to be, so where I think it falls down on is the scrutiny has to go on the recruitment policy because you look at, forget, let's say, forget Brighton, forget Brentford, because they've got access to a very, very sophisticated like data system that not many others have got access to. They've also got a blueprint to the first team, which is they have, um, in Brent Brighton's case, Union Saint-Jouar, in Brentford's case, uh, Mijilant, where they're almost oh. nurseries for the first team. Mm, I we about have that. to look more closely about Luton Town and Coventry and Millwall. These are, the, you know, they, they seem like Zion Fleming, for example, from Millwall. What a signing. What, like, he, he's like that creative team, he scored goals, he, for all intents and purposes, he'd have been a great QBR player. Like, we, we have to be, you know, the questions have to be answered about recruitment. You know, okay, we don't have much money. You know, so are we just going to go down the road of signing seconds and broken players and, you know, all this and the other? You know, fact of the matter is, you know, so I, I, I haven't answered the question about next season. It's all about, it has to be about mental toughness because that division is going to be brutal, as Safa said. You know, you've got team, three teams coming up, all of whom are probably will have bigger budgets and bigger attendances, so therefore will have an FFP advantage. And then the teams coming down, Southampton, Leeds and Leicester, they're all big, 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 big teams. So it's about mental toughness. So therefore... Sam Field, Lyndon Dykes, you know, the amount of grief that guy has got since he's been here, picks himself up, like, comes out of hospital, has pneumonia, he's played on through bad COVID. Man, I, I, I cannot tell you how impressed I am with him just to get on the pitch at the back end of last season, let alone leave the line the way that he has. You know, there is no question that Dykes mentally has got it. The grief, you know, absorbing the grief, like his missus got grief as well when he was in hospital. Like the fact of the matter is that Dykes is, is someone that I think you can count on. I think Sam Fields has shown that he is someone you can count on. Like I think, you know, with the, the, like the, the mental toughness that he's had getting through his injury problems. I think, again, Fields, I think a spine of Dykes Fields, and I think Jimmy Dunn is someone you can count on. Yeah. He, he lost his form a bit, but you know that he's got the right attitude. The one thing I said about um, uh, Jimmy Dunn, though, just stop with the ref getting in the referee's face for everything. Concentrate on your game. Like, you know, be, let, let Field be the captain. Like, just concentrate on defending. Because it feels with uh, Jimmy Dunn that every time he, go, like, goes mad at the ref, he just sort of takes him a second just to get his game back again. Focus on your game. Mm. But I think what you have at Rangers is a spine that you can build around. I, I, I would hate it if we sold Dykes. I think if you play the right player up top with Dykes, A, he'll get more goals, but he'll get a ton of assists and he and, and like will create goals for that other 
striker. Do you know what I mean? So, so I, I, I think, you know, it's going to be a tough season. And I think what we'll see is a lot more of what we saw against Burnley. George, you'll hate this. I think away from home will be 17% possession, 18% possession, you know. But end of the day, what Ainsworth has shown is that can work and you can get points at difficult places. What I want to see is a more progressive for, uh, form at home, a more progressive style of play at home. Some, it's interesting. Before you go into players we want to bring in, which is the original question, and I threw in a, a curveball. Sorry, mate. That was my fault. Bad host, bad self. Interesting with that. No, no, you're fine. Still, I worry about. Um, the the interesting thing about Dykes is when he came back, not didn't thank a lot of people at the club for helping him through things. There seemed to be a little bit of a, I was left to get on with it. Thing I could be massively wrong, but it didn't say, oh well, it was great to see Les, it was great to see the owners at the hospital, it was great to do this, it was they all rallied round. It was it was a kind of thing that we just got on with it and left him to it. And I'm wondering if that if that is how I perceive it to happen, what he feels about the club. Do you know well, what I mean? Well, do you know but, what, Paul, if, if that's the case, the, the way that he came back, like Ainsworth was saying that he wanted to play immediately, they, it took him a couple of weeks to, to get him back in the first team. The way that he played would not tell me that there's any problems with his attitude towards the club. Oh, no. Do you know what I mean? No. It's, I wouldn't and, and, and I think that, that, but that, that's kind of my point about who do we have in the squad that has that mental toughness, that has that attitude, that, that I mean, he, like, love him or hate him, Dykes always gives 100% in that shirt. Mm. There's very few players that you can look at. I think Field is another, I think Dunn is another. I think these are the players that you have to build around. Because you, and like, you know, Chris Martin, yeah, basically, if you can get him cheap, have him there to bring off the bench for the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes, because again, he has that right attitude, and he's like, a nuisance. He's a nuisance, exactly. That and, and and you know, end of the day, that's what I think we're going to see with an Ainsworth team. Like I think it, it, it's about being nuisances. It's about making Loftus Road a horrible place to come to, and being a horrible team to play away from home. Because I'm I'm looking at that championship, and I'm thinking we're going to where, where we're going to finish. has got a two in front of it. Whether it's 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd or 24th is, I guess we'll find out. It's a horrible, horrible division. And I think, you know, we need to understand that we don't have the resources to compete with the top teams. We've got to have something different about us, something horrible to play against. Use Loftus Road. Like, it's a horrible stadium, like, when it gets going. Like, make it a horrible stadium. Be annoying to play against, hard to break down. So maybe, George, and I hate to say it, Next season is not about nice football. It's about being bastards. And that's kind of where I see us uh, maybe next season. It, it, it's it's going to be, it ain't going to be pretty, boys, but, you know, is it effective? Well, yeah. That's what you said about my dancing. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, definitely not pretty. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? I don't know. It was a bit of a... John Travolta in a golf style. Yeah, George, right. We're going to end the pod. We're, we're, we're making this pod a wee bit different to what normally is. I've already said things. I think you've been brilliant tonight, George, by the way, because at least you've been bloody honest. And I like that. And that's what I like about this pod is that you, you might have screwed up your flow for the rest of the season. But don't worry, we'll have you <laughs> here. So you'll get the same things. Um, 
I was going to say what you're looking forward to next season, but I'm fucking terrified, to be fair. But, um, yeah, go on then. Uh, looking forward to next season. Well, it's getting back, just getting back, I suppose. Just uh, like watching the games. Uh, in terms of me, there won't be as much stress on home match days. I'm not doing the vlogs no more on a home Are game. You? No, no, I'm not doing it because well, it's called Junior Hoop Vlogs and I'm 15 going up 16, so I can't 54, really... some of the 30s are youngster compared to me, but carry on. I'm, so yeah, I'm still doing interviews with, play, well, not after this, probably, but I'm still, <laughs> still, I'm still, I'm still planning to do a couple of I mean, you, you, just Just for, just for um, competition, are you going to set up a podcast or something, or are you going to do something different? Uh, I'm thinking about it. I think I may do. I may set up some sort of YouTube thing, podcast thing, but... Uh, oh, okay. I want to see him goes. again. Hmm? Don't, bring the, don't, you know, don't come to me for advice. <laughs> this one's shade. Um, (laughs) advice fine technical expertise no (laughs) moving on (laughs) George so uh, yes well good luck with that George any obviously any help we can be will help you and um, just don't get yourself banned mate that's awkward (laughs) I won't I won't don't you worry so are you is it you're looking forward to getting back hopefully the football will get better Hopefully the facilities will get better. And <laughs> Armstrong. No, yeah, that's also that's also my it's a bit sad though. I'm looking forward to watching one player next year. If that's how you're thinking, then it's not going to be a great season, is it? But ah mate, listen. Think of this as a therapy session. <laughs> I've been like that with QPR for about 40 freaking years. Um in fact, sometimes I think they've thrown me into therapy, to be honest with you. You beat Man United, you lose to Southampton, you get to the playoff final, you lose to Foxhall Motors in a way. Feck, this, this club does you it. Safa, right, sorry, go on. Do you know, it probably says about how low the expectation is, but I'm just looking forward to hopefully seeing 11 players that just want to play for QPR. And that's as, as much as I can hope for it. So many times last year, I'd come back from a game and I thought, whatever happens, whether we stay up, go down, whatever, I know that lot are not going to be here next year. So for me, that's my biggest thing. I don't care whether we're fighting relegation or what. I'd like, like um, uh, Dunstead, I'd like to see a little bit more progressive football would be nice. But I tell you, to just come back not being thoroughly insulted by that bunch of players on the pitch would be a really nice start. So, you know, whatever style of football it is, having a team that actually want to play for us would be nice. You know, I can handle seeing us lose. I just, I've really struggled last year watching how we lost. You know, it bothered me like I cannot tell you. So that, how's that for your expectations, eh? But that's what I'm looking forward to, <laughs> just seeing that. I, 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 out of interest, and I mean this generally, I'm not taking the mickey. How expensive is it for you to go to every home and away game? Yeah, it's dear. Do you know, funny enough, we... Uh, <laughs> I've just had my uh, missus have a go at me over this because we've like just totaled up. It was a lot. It was a lot. So do you think you could spend that fiver wisely? <laughs> no, it was over 10 grand I spent on travel. What? Yeah. Expensive. Serious? Wow. Mm. Yeah. 10 grand? Yeah. It was, Suffer, it was you could buy your own boat for that, mate. I, do you know? I know. A couple, couple of years saving and that and I'd be close. <laughs> But you know, <laughs> what's the rule? To be fair, I've you know, I, the the thing is, it comes to a weekend, and I'm thinking like I know where I'd r- rather be, you know. So I'm thankful and fortunate enough. But yes, yeah, it's expensive. Is expensive, you know. Jesus. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, Dunson, why aren't you over for every game? Ah, <laughs> uh, because it would be a damn sight more expensive than that, my friend. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, right, the, the frequent flyer miles would be racking up, but... Um, yeah, yeah. There's uh, Safa, mate. You, uh, I have to say, mate, you you were my vocal fan of the year because. Oh, thank uh, you very much. Dedication <laughs> you put in, man. My God. Yeah. No, I, 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 I like all of us. I love it. You know, there's people. There, there, there's so many. You know, because. We you speak to people on a podcast, or there's a, there's a person that sits in front of us at Loftus Road. He does every single game from Leeds. You know, you know, mm. Tuesday night at home, Leeds or what. You know, people just come from everywhere, don't they? You know, it's just sometimes you don't always get to hear about them. But no, it's um, yeah. I said I. Is this, I, a, good, is this a good time to mention? Sometimes the trains are really late from Barnard. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, right. Oh God, suffer. That's 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 actually. I was expecting a lot less than that. It's just like you know what? It's not the money. It's the hassle. It's not the hassle. It's the money. Ten grand. That's like Jesus. All of it. How much? Honestly, out of interest, how much is a rowing boat, and would it be safe? Do you know? I've, I've the thing that annoys me the most, and it was weird because I've never toasted it up like that. It was just that my, as I said, my my missus did it and looked at what what kind of I'd, yeah what what we'd spent. But I've I'm not going to do the whole thing on this. The bit the that the bit that's more annoying is actually the the ferry times. Is the that's the real thing that bothers me. Of everything that that really really is the one, you know that's not so, fun. So, it, could you actually? So this is totally complete different direction. Could you actually buy a boat and do it yourself? <laughs> I mean, you struggle to get the car on. I mean, you'd have to get one. Exactly, to, getting the car on it. Yeah, maybe. you'd have to. You'd have to get like a. You'd have to get one of the ones that Batman had, wouldn't you? Yeah, it would be. Uh, yeah, it would be. Shit. Yeah, that's that's bad. Anyway, I'm going to go to Dunstan because frankly, you've shocked me, Safa. I tell you what, Dunstan, we should knock him up for some money for the podcast. He's obviously got more money than sense. <laughs> Seriously, well, not, I didn't tell you how much debt I'm in doing it, did yeah. I, Paul? I just told you what it cost. <laughs> not that I had what it. What ifs? That's what they all say. <laughs> Dunstan. By the way, next year I am coming to New York. I am Good. going to come to the football factory. I am going to see a game you lot, and um, I'm 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 probably going to get drunk. Anyway, perfect Dunstan. podcast extra. Um, so what, what was the question, Paul? Hmm? What was the question next year? How the hell, how the hell do I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, my, my, my first wish is uh, that we sell Ilias' chair. And I think Ilias, he's given us a lot. And I think that it's time for him to move on. I think from a footballing point of view, a style of play point of view, for his career, now is the time. And I think that one of the things that Rangers have, have really been poor out of late is, is getting the maximum amount of value out of our assets, like the Chris Willocks of the world, the Rob Dickies. And I think we might get some a, a decent wedge for, for Elias. I, I, I disagree with you, George. I don't think it would be a, a million and a half. I think we could probably get maybe five out of a Leicester uh, with a sell-on, something like that. If we could get a five, I, I would off you go. Because what I want, I want Willock out. I, I would take whatever we can get because also the wages. If we can get some money for our assets and 
drop the wages and reinvest in, again, Luton have done this, the Colton Morrises, the Adebayos, like, let, let's have a look and bring in some strikers because my other wish is for the first six months of next season that Sinclair Armstrong goes to Leighton Orient or somewhere like that to go and score goals. No pressure. Like, if, if he gets five, ten goals, bring him back for the second half of the season, by all means, let's see what he can do. But I don't want us to have to be in a situation where we are relying on Chris Martin, Lyndon Dykes and Sinclair Armstrong for our goals because that is going to be a problem. So I want to see some strikers. I, I want us to sell and reinvest. I, I, I want Ainsworth. And, and my suspicion with last year is that Mick Beale focused too much on the pretty football and not enough on fitness. And I think we saw that bear out in the, in the, the mid and second half of the season. I want to see a pre-season where we have a fit squad that we're able to, like, you know, if we're limited to compete on a fitness level. Um, so, yeah, I want to see, I want to give Gareth the pre-season, see what he does. I want to see if he can buy, bring in players that buy in because I genuinely think if we're going to be successful next year, it's not going to be through pretty football. It's going to be through being bastards and it's about recruitment and bringing the right players in to suit Gareth Ainsworth's system. Failing that, we start badly, we end up sacking Gaz after 10 games and then we're back to square one. But, you know, I, I, I actually think Ainsworth, if you give him time, um, we may have to take the, the pretty football on the chin. But I think Ainsworth, if you look at his record at Wickham, when he, you know, what he, what he did with that team was make them better than the sum of their parts. And I think if we give Ainsworth a chance, I think he could do the same. But I think he has to build the parts as well. And I think, you know, the, the likes of your Lewis Wings, That'd be great. Okay, bring him in. But I think Ainsworth knows talent in, in the, the lower levels. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded back, and George, this is way before your time, but the like, when we brought in Tilson, Brevet, Peacock, yeah. all, all yeah, of those guys, right, Don, was it Doncaster, it was Grimsby, it was Hereford. Like, all three of those players were first name on the team sheet types. Like, that, that's what I want to see Ainsworth do. Is get, give him some budget, like you know. Okay, you've got five hundred grand to spend on a take, take a punt on the striker. Not the Macaulay Bonds of the world, but all right. You tell me what you want, Gareth. If, if this is going to work, we have to give him the tools to do the job. What I what I am worried about is that that is going to be at odds with the academy and the recruitment policy and the what the DFO uh, DOF wants. So we could end up being in a complete mess again. I. I, I just want to see some consistency in the attitude. I want to see some consistency in how we operate as a business because I really don't think we had it last year or, the, you know, especially from the recruitment side of it. And I want to see a lone player who's actually useful. <laughs> you mean like a, a walker? Yeah. I mean, uh, that would be nice. Greedy man. <laughs> well, I, I guess we better wrap the podcast up because it's, I'm just looking at the time. It's, we've kind of had it. We've, even for me sleeping in and being late, dear listeners, you don't know this, but yeah, after naps at 50s, I think. Um, so, well, what I'm looking forward to next season is not hope turning out to piss on me chips, you know, because the greatest, the greatest greatest 
most vile thing in football is hope because you hope for something and then it just goes absolutely shut. Like the start of the season, you hope, oh, this is good, marvellous. Oh, we're doing well. Oh, we just beat this one and then it all went to shit and, and we didn't respond well from that and that worries me. The club should have responded better. It should have done things better. It should have done things differently. It's not hindsight. That's just curing and doing the right thing in my book. Um, and also... It's going to be hard because the season ends and there's a lot of people, we're talking about football and we're talking about things that matter. There's a lot of people who go to Rangers next season without people they've loved for many, many, many years who are no longer with us. And I always think about them people because, you know, Rangers did a thing for the season ticket. It's, you know, it's a way of life. I get all that. It's a habit. It's also, a, it's what we do. You know, it's, 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 it's who we go with, who brings it into it, who we love and cherish you no longer with us and it, it kind of like you know everyone slags off lost and I'm guilty of it as well but there's so many good memories and there's so many people who walk to the ground with the ghosts of the loved ones and that's that's going to be hard for a lot of people next season and I feel for them you know it's never easy so hopefully they'll get something to cheer we'll all have something to cheer about next season and one thing I do want to see more than anything stop this kind of negativity from the club you know, don't say you can't find a striker. Don't say why we can't do this, why we can't do that. If Sunderland, Millwall, Luton can get into and Coventry can get into the playoffs, anyone can. It's not difficult. Just believe in yourself. Don't make excuses. Just make things happen. There you go. George, I've got to say, mate, you, not only will you do a podcast one day, you'll have your own bloody TV show. And I, I want... Um, I'll be following you around for to get some dirt on you um, to sell to the papers in future years. And, um, you know, just so I can make some money because, you know, you don't make any money from podcasts. But no, I wish you well in the summer, George, and your dad. And I hope you have a great summer, big man. And thank you for joining us. And I'm really, you know, it's good you've been honest and it's, you've said a lot of sense tonight. Safa, you always speak sense, but by God, you've scared the shit out of me how much money you spend watching Rangers. I feel like I should club together and maybe buy you a coffee or something again. That's going to be hard for me. I might just go and get a water or something or get some tap. Do they do tap water? For, no, but seriously, I mean, that's that's amazing, mate. You know? I t- I'll tell you, Paul, I guarantee to you, because I've never done it like that. It's just weird you've mentioned it because I said my my wife had like been looking at how much we'd spent on it. I guarantee to you, if you sit down and look at how much you probably spend as well, you'd be shocked. It's it's expensive game. It is. I've got a ferry, yeah. but actually, I guarantee if you actually sit down and look at how much it is, you'd be. I've just got the ferry um, to travel, but it's expensive for everyone. Oh god, I but trains I, is crazy I, price. I, look at this way. I, I I could go to football. I was just, yeah, but we've always done it, haven't we? So yeah. it is what it is. I mean, feckin' Dunstan goes to live in America, so he doesn't have to pay travel costs to away games. Turns <laughs> up at a pub in New York. Watches games and goes home blind, drunk, and none the wiser. Oh, you've never been on the subway, have you, mate? I'm taking my life in it, my own hands. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I have actually. <laughs> I, I, it, it scared the bejesus out of me, Dunstan. It really. But listen, you guys in New York, this is the one thing that I, I, I am proud of, and so, so inspired by is you guys the new york the australians the the, the, the the japanese thing the other week it was on the yeah. web you know that's that's incredible and everyone i meet who goes to new york comes back and says these guys are brilliant uh, you know what that, unlike that's, you they that's really, me i mean yeah i, 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 I obviously that. wasn't there that day so uh yeah but no i've got to say like keep keep her nyc uh, it's it, it, 
so it's not just about the football. Like what one of the guys that joined us this year, Harry, like he he posted something lovely on um Instagram, which was basically um oh yeah, Paul's still there. Um he basically said that you know he he was worried when he moved that he would lose QPR. And if, if anything, it's the direct opposite. It's it's actually really added to the experience. And it's it's the same with it, with, with it, you know, whether you're coming for you know a weekend, like we met some guys this year that were you know there for Depeche Mode, or whether you're there to, to emigrate, like it, it is really a home from home. It is like the the the, the second kind of um sort of place to watch Rangers and, and and to be part of something. We had to guide David who um, shaved his head for charity. We had about 25 people come in for, for that, for that. And, and it was the Watford game. So we actually won as well. But but the the fact of the matter is is that you know for me moving over without QBR NYC to to accept me in, I wouldn't have had half the life I have here, half the friendships I've got here. And it's all Rangers, man. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're at Loftus Road, whether you're at Shepherd's Bush, whether you're Isle of Wight, whether, you know, thousands of miles away. Like, we, we all have that something in common. And to a man, everyone I've met has just been decent. You know, we, we, we've got a good bunch. And I think, you know, when you look at Twitter and it's all kicking off, like, you know, that's not really who we are. And I think everyone I've met face-to-face had a beer with, it's been absolutely fantastic. So, yes. Full um, disclosure, you've, you've yeah. met me for a couple of times of beers and I probably broke the rule. By the way... No, you're all right. You're, you're having cider, so you were, you were good. To be, to be fair, sorry, guys, I just had to go mute and turn the video off because I had to go for a wee, just so as you know. Ah, I, was, I, was, I was listening, but you didn't want to listen to me. Um, <laughs> funny enough, I think I told you on the way to Reading. Was it Reading? Was it ready? I don't know. We're getting all into one. We did bump into a guy. I'm not sure if the one you just talked about who just moved to New York. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? He could not have been more blown away than the fact that I've got across to America. I'm starting a new life. And it's a load of QPR fans that have made this so much easier. And you kind of listen to that. And, you know, sometimes the defeats and your Twitter and all that nonsense, sometimes you forget. There's a real community. We've got something special. We've got something a lot of clubs don't have. Do you you and, know what as well? I, yeah. Over here, Paul, like the where, where we watch at the football factory, like we, it, it's not just about, um, it's not just about QBR. Like we, we know the Fulham lot. We know the Wednesday lot, the Borough lot, the Norwich lot, the Villa lot, Leicester. And the it, Fulham lot posh. Well, no, no. One's American. They actually they're not. They're not, which is amazing. You'd have thought like the posh ones would have escaped, but no, they're all they're all still at the stadium. But no, they're, they're like to to a, like to a man like they're, they're, there's a real kind of football community here, and like and it it transcends just supporting your team. Like you know, we're we, there's a really good set of mates, and we all got each other through COVID, and like from from a mental health perspective, it's just great having people there that you can talk to. See you know see every Saturday. Do you know what I mean? It's and again, Paul. When you come over, you'll see it, mate. It, it, it's it's just a great place that that doesn't exist in in the UK because obviously with a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday, a you're going to be at Rangers, but also the TV blackout. So getting everyone in one spot, I guess you know the sports cafe in Haymarket that sort. Oh, that's all gone, mate. That's, I mean, all gone, but. 
But even then, you didn't have that sense of community. It was just somewhere to go watch different games. But th this is the football factory is a whole different kettle of fish. And, you know, the one thing I'd say about the summers, I, I absolutely miss being there. It's, you know, it is a real regular part of life. And it's like you go there, you, mm. you, know, you know, sometimes I'll go on my own if, if there's no other Rangers fans going to be there because I know I'll see the rest of them. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it, it, it's a great place, man. So and, you say that I can't wait to I can't wait for you know Chris has been there I can't wait for you to join Safa if you fancy getting on a, a on a bigger boat come over George mate you're more than welcome in six years time because it's it's over twenty ones but all, always welcome. By the way, <laughs> just you talking about that made me laugh because I remember years ago with me friend Alan. He goes to Northern Ireland and QPR. I don't know if you know this. I'm from Belfast. I, I don't tend to talk about it much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and anyone else got bingo? I would do, but I couldn't spell it on the card. Anyway, so <laughs> we, we, we were in France for the Euros. This this is true. Uh, you kind of like, you know, everyone's together. It's kind of, you know, no, and everyone's trying to get on with each other. We bumped into the most obnoxious Northern Ireland Fulham-supporting gobshite you could ever meet in your life. And it almost kicked off with me and Alan, this full of fan in the pub in Paris, supposedly watching Northern Ireland, where he was just so fucking insulted about uh, QPR that it made our blood boil. And um, it, it, yeah, that was awful. Because I was going to say it's very similar with Northern Ireland is what you described when you're over here and watching, but it's not because that film shape ruined it for us. And um, Alan's the most placid person ever, but I really thought he was going to take him out. It was because the first thing he said, Oh, you're, you're one of them. And it's like, Yeah, he goes, Wherever you park your caravan. And it's like, Really? Oh, okay. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Fulham, all right, right. Feck off. Did you support Fulham all your life, you gobshed? Where did you really start supporting him, you little shit? So, you know, I wasn't having it. But of course, it was ironic because then I'm thinking, Well, actually, I support QP or something, nothing. So I was on a sticky wicket. But yeah, that was, that was, that was strange. But, even when I've got abroad, I've met Rangers fans, you go up to me and start talking. It's not just a case of like, oh, like, I don't know, maybe a Spurs fan would say, Harry Kane's great, yeah, he is, walk on. My United, uh, Ronaldo was fantastic, yeah, so he was. It's in depth for us. You meet someone, you you strike up. I mean, even the other week, poor old Snoopy, God bless him, he's got a bit of a problem. He's got cancer in his bladder, bless him. He's 14 now, so he's having a few issues with the vets. And... um there's a QPR fan there, and I, he's walking past my car, and he's looking at my car, and it's really a little Nissan Note 2008. Thanks, Alan. Brought it off my friend. Um, and he goes, oh, the QPR thing. And I was like, yeah, Rangers fan. He's chatting away, like. And he was we're talking about dogs, and we're both having issues and that. And I was like, the first thing I said, well, next season, mate, I'll see you for a pint at Rangers. You know, he goes, yeah, we'll do. Definitely up for that. You just do it, don't you? You know, whether it's New York, you know, um, where George lives, which I've forgotten about, or where which is basically near Beirut by the sounds of the amount of money it costs him to get to a flipping game. Um, I'll tell you, this is honestly true. Do you know the funny thing? So coming back from the uh, last game of the season against Bristol City, it's honestly true. Race back, got on the ferry, get there. Four really glum looking people sat at the front and I'm sat there, one of them QPR shirt on. And I, I went to them. I thought, you're from, and they, four of them, season ticket holders from the Isle of Wight, they've just, move from I think I can't remember which part of London they're there so there's uh how's that how random was that I'm literally sat on the ferry going home and there we are Safa how much is a boat divided by six you know <laughs> you're right I could cut I'm gonna be loaded <laughs> seriously do you know what 
we've got this image day of Sasha with a few others next season on a rowing boat going across the going, going <laughs> And we'll be sitting there going, Friggin' hell, the bet line's down again. What a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Safa must have been delighted that Southampton went down. Buzzing. But then we lost <laughs> we lost Reading and, like, you know, everyone, yeah. Yeah, the other Southern clubs. But, yeah, it is, it is what it it's is. Really, it's, it's really weird because I was... You know, when you talk to Rangers fans sometimes, you, you, you do that. God, this podcast is... It's like war and peace, but talking. Um, and you're talking... We talk about exhibit, you know... Excitation, what we think we're going to be next season, how we think we're going to do, and everything else. When you meet Rangers fans in the flesh, it's always about what games we've been to and the highs and lows. And it always goes back to this whole whinging, that's probably me. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm still be there next season. Mm. I'll, see you, I'll see you down there. It's like the most, George, you, 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 your dad's a prime example, to be fair. I love your dad, but he's a prime example of, of how we've grown up and how we are. We just stand there, slaughter it. It's like, I remember once meeting the Rangers fan and absolutely just, I think it was the season we went down under Francis when it was Da and, um, and Holloway took over. I had this like long conversation with his QPR fan and then it's like, yeah, I'll see you Saturday. And you just walk off and there are two other friends of mine who weren't QPR fans were looking at it and were like, really? So they don't go to football, they don't know. It's like, but you just slowed it. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, but we'll still be there. And, so I think when the club are doing season ticket videos, we just do it on the, well, we're going because we've got, well, we're just loyal and we're stupid. It's like my mum always said to me, you're either awful loyal, Paul, or you're awful stupid. I think that should be our slogan for like real fans, real football. I, you know what? It's funny. I, I looked at that that video and it, it was almost like, was it uh, about routine? And it's like, the, 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 the club have literally admitted, oh, you, we know you're going to renew you, we, we, we know you do the same things every week, so just stop it and click the link, buy your ticket. There you go. Job done. Hello, to a nice poem and, and some great video, uh, videography. To be fair, the, the lad that did it um, and his dad, you know, it had me, you know? Yeah. I mean, but luckily, I'm so stupid, I do it on this, the, um, the direct debit thing because otherwise I'd forget, so it's easy for me to do that. Um, George, you're going to have to start paying more soon. I know. I'm, I'm hearing you talk about all this money. I feel privileged, not a penny spent. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, but when you know you, you have to get a job, then you're gonna have to get married, and you have to get a mortgage, and then you'd be 21. <laughs> you know, crazy, it's terrible. But listen, George, the trouble is that hopefully next season we're gonna. Now you're not doing the vlog. We'll get you on the podcast more. How's that? And then you because it's nice to have someone. You're wiser beyond you. You're an old soul, mate. You really are. I tell you, it, all comes from, it all comes from my dad. I've told you this. Yeah, from... no, but you are an old soul. And, yeah, and you're definitely one of us. Jesus Christ. By the way, you talk about Depeche Mode. This is fun fact. First band I've ever seen in Belfast was Depeche Mode. Of course, Alan Wilde is a QPR fan. And it's his 63rd birthday today. Happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, it's about time you got him on the pod, isn't it? I have been trying. I try to get everyone on the pod. Listen, probably apart from Michael Gove, to be fair, if I'm going to be honest. Um, hands up. Full disclosure. Don't like the bloke. Um, anyone that goes and watch Chelsea in the European final is not going to miss a freaking podcast, whether Tory, Labour, Lib Dem, Green or anything. They're not coming on this podcast. How the hell, as a QPR fan, would you go and watch a European final with them lot in it? I mean, no. I wouldn't. It, no. That's just... The, I have enjoyed 
Frank Lampard. I think it's wrong. I think we should build a statue of him at Loftus Road one day. Um, but sadly, they've replaced him and he won't get them relegated, which I'm really sad about because I was enjoying that absolute £600 million. We talk about the money we spent. Jesus, they were shite. <laughs> and it was brilliant. So bad. It, I, I have had... to say, so, Paul, the, the one thing about the factory is that Chelsea also have their fan club there. So what we have oh. taken immense joy in is just their demise their season like they literally it's all these like you know half of them are american fans because of pulisic the minute he goes they're they're off but yeah. just enjoying that you know that they've got this big flag which is we know what we are yeah we we all know what you are yeah, yeah we do yeah <laughs> but the 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 kind of like when they were doing well the cockiness the arrogance like Watching it all just seep away, and then realizing that we're ordinary. We are. We, we are not a top four team. We are. We are not going to be qualifying for Europe. We're finishing below Brentford and Fulham. Is it's been a, I just wish we were better, so I could have enjoyed it more. But <laughs> well, what what you should have said, Sam? You should have said, Do you know what? This reminds me of my my youth when you were shit for freaking decades. Um, yeah, I. I uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do wonder about that sometimes. I mean, there's loads of stories like the likes of Kerry Dickey and the Stone Bridge and recognised them and stuff like that. They, they really are the epitome of new fans, new club reformed with success and on the backs of poor Russians. But there you go. I don't want to get political, but they, they are everything that's bad about the world. Um, and I blame them for absolutely everything because I think it likes easier that way. Before you go, is there Brentford fans at the factory as well? If so, have they all got shiny new scarves? Well, funnily enough, there, there isn't like a supporters club per se there, but every now and again, like they'll, there, there's a couple that, that come in bright, shiny shirts. And I, I do actually, they, they are proper Brentford. They, you you know, still abuse them though, can't you? Do you know what? I don't even talk to them. Because they probably haven't got a clue who we are. So, you although it was do. funny, there, there, there was a couple of Fulham fans that were like um, looking for, a, like, we have the same table every time. And I'm basically tinkering with the telly to get the, the game on. And they, they were like, oh, can I sit here? And I turned around and went, you know, this is QPR, right? And they literally picked the pints up and walked off. I'm like, yes, get out of it. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what we should do, Dunstan? I'm thinking for Brentford next season, you should get th- together with a few of the lads and make a bus stop and then sneak in before they come in and just put it on their table. <laughs> with... I, do you know what? They don't come every week, so I've no idea when they'll, when they'll turn up. And, no, they're like big buses, aren't they? To be fair to Fulham, at least they show up every week. So, you know. Do you know what? It's, it's funny we talk about Fulham and we, we will end the podcast before we turn 75. <laughs> Things you care for what you wish for. Build a new stand. And guess who's paying for it? Their season ticket prices are eye-wateringly scary. I, 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 when I saw those prices, I'm like, has Briatori bought the club? It really felt like that that year where Briatori mm. were like, I, you know, I, I don't care about your 20 quids when you've literally just put the prices up to 45 or whatever. It was. But it felt like that. And yeah, like, good, good luck to you, Fulham. Like, you know, be careful what you wish for. Exactly. Enjoy and, the um, pool, lads. <laughs> the what? Enjoy the swimming pool, lads. You've just paid for it. I thought you said Hartley pool. No, swimming pool. 
Do <laughs> you know you've changed, Dunstan? Since you've gone over there and you've got this nice transatlantic accent, like your man that does the pasta. He used to open the keyhole. I forgot his oh, name. Oh, Lloyd Grossman. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you haven't lost your accent at all. Actually, it's really Not at all. Is it? Do some people do lose their accent? I presume. Yeah. Like, funnily enough, my, my Roy brother, he, he's like 17 years younger than me and he's gone to Toronto and he has got, he literally has like um, a slight Canadian twang. And I'm like, where, where are you from? Do you know what I mean? Like, he's only been there like five years and I'm like, already you sound different. He sounds a bit like Lloyd Grossman now. And I'm like, nah, not having it. I'm not yeah. losing this accent. I, 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 I listen to a lot of golf. Do I frick? I hit this damn thing. But Roy McElroy, now there is a fully play. I, I thought it, I thought it was Donald Trump. The accent was shocking. It was uh, anyway. Apparently, he's a good golfer. I know nothing about golf. I'm not even trying to be. I just can't stand the thing. Good luck to everyone who enjoys it. Not my cup of tea. I played it once. I didn't realize you had to let people follow through. I thought it was something you did after you had about seven pints. <laughs> wow. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we shall end a shit season on a shit joke. I think that's a good way of doing it. Safa, mate, seriously, we need to find you a boat. We need a bigger boat, mate. We really do. Um, but you, you're brilliant, and thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm definitely get you on more next season. Pleasure. George, Thanks for having me. Now nah, you're right, mate. Jesus, that price is cheap. Um, George, you're brilliant. I can't, I can't believe the little kid that can see Ali Fallon has grown up to be. An even bigger capability voice now. Weird. Scaring me a little bit. <laughs> it is right. But um, well done, mate. Get you on next season. Doesn't always welcome. Are you coming back in the summer for the uh, first few games or when you're next over? Uh, probably not. I think we're looking at maybe November. Um, but I'll, I'll make sure I'll let you know when I'm back because uh, it'd be great to, to see you uh, grab a pint. Uh, orange juice, George, obviously. <laughs> um, but no, like, I... I, I I'm hoping to be back sooner rather than later. But again, I guess it all depends on how we're going. Like, cuts in November and we're bottom, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Yeah, of course you will. But, George, by the way, <laughs> when I was your age, it wasn't the, the alcohol people were drinking. It was a freaking glue back home. But then that's another story. Right, lads, I will see you down the bush next season. It's um, been an interesting podcast. I don't think anyone's still listening. So we can say whatever we want and no one's going to hear it. But, um, well... Goodbye to that season of shade and optimism and then shade and um, hopefully next season is better. Thanks, guys. Look after yourselves. And this has been Open All Ours. Thank you for joining us for an incredibly long, lit podcast. And um, see you next season. Come on, you flipping Rangers. Make dreams happen. 